name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. On Monday, February the 2nd of this year, that can't be right, February 2nd was a Sunday, so February the 3rd, a man named Al Hartz steered a truck down Van Ness Street in Boston and backed it up to Fenway Park. This happens every February and it's kind of a low-key holiday in Boston. We call it Truck Day. It's a day in the middle of winter when all the gear for the Red Sox, 20,000 baseballs, 1,100 bats, 20 cases of bubblegum, 60 cases of sunflower seeds, all of the, um, this is all in the paper, you can go find this, those numbers, um, all the gear for the boys of summer leave Boston in a truck bound for Fort Myers, Florida, which is the team's spring training home. That's truck day. Spring training is this time when professional ball players take a few weeks to work the rust out, work the kinks out, and focus on the fundamentals of baseball. When away, Lent is like that. Because Lent is a time when Christians focus on fundamentals. In our readings for Lent, we return to the fundamental stories that make us who we are. So all three years in the lectionary cycle, year A, B, and C, all three years, the Old Testament readings recount the history of, that God shares with Israel. So next week is the calling of Abraham and then the journey into the wilderness, the anointing David as the king of Israel, and then finally the valley of dry bones that the Lord promises will live again. But today, on this first Sunday in Lent, the story is the most fundamental of our stories. It is the account of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And so I want to look at that story and then the, the other two readings, and through them, think about three things. First, guilt. Secondly, a gift. And then thirdly, a garden. Number one, guilt. You gotta, do I get any points for starting a sermon with guilt? I'm a, I'm a homiletical genius. Um, guilt. So the Lord commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. But when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So this comes from Genesis. Genesis, this book, is it's our fundamental story, our creation myth, if you will. Which might be a troubling word to, to some of us, because in today's terminology, the word myth means kind of like a legend, a story that may have a moral, but it doesn't really have any basis in history. So like the tortoise and the hare as a mortal, but it didn't really happen. But to call the Bible a myth, to call the Bible myth, just means that it expresses something that is ineffable. Not something that is not true, but something that is always true. So um, here's how one, an Orthodox priest named John Breck explains it. He says, the myth rooted in actual historical occurrence 
interprets the occurrence. It conveys its meaning for us in our own life and experience. This does not mean that we have to call into question the historical grounding of the event. It means that the ultimate significance of the event lies less in its being a fact of the past than in its continuing influence in our life and faith today. So as your priest, do I believe that these events in Genesis happened? I do. I actually do. I absolutely believe that. But the story is fundamental to us because of what it explains. Do you ever feel like that all is not right with the world? That something is off? And that things are not the way that they should be? Well, our story says that, that that's true, and it lays the guilt of that fact at the feet of our first parents. Their disobedience somehow fractured the world such that it is broken even today. That, that brokenness lingers even today. So their, their trespass, trespass became the peccatum originalis, original sin of the world. And that explains why things are the way that they are. It explains our experience. So one commentator says this. says, basic to the Christian worldview is the view of humanity as inherently bent away from God. Inherently bent away from God. With all the tragedy that comes from this sinful condition. Christianity offers a succinct and convincing explanation for the human misery and hatred that we see in the world around us. Original sin may not make sense to many people. They may find it irrational or unjust, but it makes sense of the evidence that is presented to us day after day after day for our consideration. Systemic injustice, economic inequality, human trafficking, climate change, cancer, starvation, depression, whatever the brokenness is, it stems from the one trespass, the entry of sin into the world from our first parents, we inherited somehow guilt. Point two. In place of the guilt, we are offered a gift. So this is from uh, Romans 5. St. Paul says, The free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. Adam's sin changed history. But you see, there were two Adams. Think of it this way, that God told Adam, obey me about the tree. And he didn't. He failed. And that sin somehow became our sin. But there was a second Adam. God said to him, obey me about the tree, the tree of the cross. And you will be crushed. But he obeyed. Our punishment becomes his punishment. And his obedience becomes our obedience. That's the gift. 
There's a note that I keep actually in, my, in the front of my prayer book from Richard Hooker, one of the uh, Anglican divines. This is not like I, this is not Baptist or anything else. This comes from an Anglican. He says, let it be counted folly or frenzy or fury whatsoever. It is our comfort and our wisdom. We care for no knowledge in the world but this. That man hath sinned and God hath suffered. That God hath made himself the son of man and that men are made the righteousness of God. What wonder, what mystery in this appointment shines. My breaches of the law are his and his obedience mine. That is atonement. That's the gift. So we covered uh, guilt. We started off strong. We've gone to the gift. One last point. This is about the garden. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And then the tempter came. Uh, if you look back at our, all of our readings from year to year, every year on that one we read this story. From, one of, from whatever gospel that uh, we're spending time in this year. That, that year. So we see that in each story Jesus is led Indeed, he is driven, he's propelled by the Holy Spirit out to be tempted of Satan. And Satan tempts him three times to turn stones into bread, to quell his hunger, to throw himself from the parapet of the temple to prove that he's divine, and to kneel before the accuser, the tempter, in exchange for all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus withstands every temptation, and then the devil left him. Matthew says, then the devil left him and an angel came. And that's where Matthew leaves it. But Luke includes one more line. One more piece of information in his gospel. Luke says that when the devil finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. What opportune time? Well, this is from... Another book by, uh, called The Last Hours of Jesus by Father Ralph Gorman. And he says, Satan tempts Christ as Messiah in the Garden of Gethsemane. How easy it could be. One word from Jesus, he could march from triumph to triumph. He could substitute crown for cross. And the alternative, it was the betrayal, the condemnation, the scourging, the thorns, the cross. The three long hours of suffering ending in death. Jesus' answer to the diabolical temptation. His act of resignation addressed to his father. Not my will but thine be done. The words were simple and few but difficult. They were costly words. They cost him his life. The first Adam fell in the garden. The second Adam said yes for us in another garden, and the way back to Eden was open. Lent brings us back to fundamentals. Our fundamental practices of fasting and uh, studying scripture and prayer and almsgiving, and to our fundamental stories like this one, that tell us what is wrong with the world, tell us what's wrong with ourselves, but most importantly, tell us how God intends to put things to right, to make all things well. 
Adam's no was ours, but the second Adam's yes is ours too. We simply open our hands and receive it at this rail. You take wholeness for brokenness. You take forgiveness for failure. You take your story and exchange it for his story. That is the gospel. And that's your invitation. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.